Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Babus to Babus. I am your commander-in-chief, oh my God. Mr. Sulor, a.k.a. Babus. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I'm just going to make a list next time, and every time we start a podcast, I'll just pick one of the names on my list. I'm just list it all. Well, I'm Babu. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Chi, a.k.a. Chi. Babus. Anywho, so today is Review Friday, but it's actually really like Saturday. Sunday. Is it Sunday? Is it 12? No. Oh. Like 10 minutes till Sunday. <laughs> Anywho, Review We're Friday. <laughs> We're just going to review random things. So like these shoes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what those are, are those? those? are really nice shoes. No, I'm kidding. So what, what, what are we uh, reviewing? So we watched the first episode of The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, we also watched uh, Howl's Flying Castle. Howl's Moving Castle. Um, Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> and uh, what else did we watch? Dave Chappelle's Oh, yeah, that's interview. right. Dave Chappelle's interview with David Letterman. Mm-hmm. The two Daves. Yeah. So we, we watched The Last Dance, like what, yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday night. We wanted to watch the first episode just to kind of get a glimpse at how the rest of the docuseries mm-hmm. will be like. Because I guess it's a 10-episode yeah, docuseries. Series. I thought it was like three. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I, I don't mind watching it on three I thought hours. it was a movie. I thought it was just a like a documentary movie. Yeah. See, and so then we, when we, you told me it had episodes, I'm like, okay, it probably has three or four. Yeah, exactly. And then you were like, no, it has like nine, ten episodes. Yeah, and I was like, ten episodes? <laughs> man, do I really want to delve into this ten episode? And watching the first episode, I'm really curious as to they're why there's so many episodes. Right, exactly. Because they, the first episode introduces you to basically just one specific season i think it was like 1997 to 1998 uh the NBA no they covered season. a lot they covered michael they, they introduced michael jordan they covered um let's see here they covered his beginning season they covered a season that they were winning a lot mm-hmm. you know the the, the, the the seven years where they won five championships right and then they covered the last season that he was with the Bulls. And then they covered that his um, general manager was becoming very, uh, what do you call it, like jealous, envious of their success. Mm-hmm. And they're not like looking at him as the, 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 the guy that created all this. Just, they're just looking at Michael Jordan. And then they're looking, and they also talk right, about they're that. not giving the general manager credit for right. building such a strong team that's mm-hmm. winning championships. Right. And then they also talk about the head coach. So to me, I was like, they kind of covered a lot, you know? But to me, when I, I watch a lot of docuseries, and usually the first episode, they give you a history, like a background history, mm-hmm. to kind of lead you up to what the docuseries is really going to be about. So my initial thought from watching that first episode was that they were going to focus on his last year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's his last year. I don't really know much about Michael Jordan, but the first episode kept talking about the last dance, which is they were trying to go for their, what, sixth 
championship win. Yeah, but so but, the NBA the, season it, of ninety seven to ninety eight. Yeah, and it was gonna be the three peat, their second yeah, three peat in right. a row. So that's what I thought it was going to be about was all the hurdles that they had to do during the last season. Right, right, and their training and how. Um, not administration, but people who corporate corporate much. people who own the Bulls are basically going to kind of restructure the, right the Bulls the Bulls team right, and it's never going to be the same again. I mean, quick quick uh, caveat here. <laughs> All right, me and Chi are not sports people. Okay, <laughs> so hey I'm, hey hey. <laughs> I'm more of a sports person than you are. Oh no, hell no! I'm more of a sports person than you are, but I'm I'm like, but that's not saying much, you know. <laughs> like, okay, okay, we're 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 even. No, no, no. You know some sports, and I know some sports. I know, but more we don't than you. know the same sports. Yeah, but I, I feel like I I know more of sports world than you do. Okay, pop quiz right now. Okay. Give me a question. <laughs> you give me a question. <laughs> what sport is face masking? <laughs> <laughs> That's easily football, okay? Boxing. <laughs> Shout out. It's not boxing. So I, I do know more sports, but like I said, it's not much. You know, like on a scale of one to 10, you're probably like a, a, a two. <laughs> and I'm like at a four. <laughs> Okay. I say three and a half. Oh, okay. And you're at a four. Oh, please. <laughs> sure, sure. We'll do three, four. <laughs> Dude, which, which team did Payne Manny play for? Who? Payne Manny. <laughs> um, hold on. <laughs> he, he was the quarterback for the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's just end this podcast right now. People are going to get real oh, no. mad. He was the quarterback for one of the blue teams. <laughs> what do you mean by blue teams? I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say the New York Yankees. Exactly. See, and you want to no, no, say no. you want to uh, say no. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I know Peyton Manning. I grew up watching Peyton Manning. Oh, uh, did you? But I don't. Apparently, he played for the Patriots. <laughs> he played for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, stop! Stop it. Wait. Okay. Seriously, what what team was he in? He he played for the uh, Indiana Colts. Oh yes, the Colts. He played with the Colts for the longest. I remember his coach because his coach was the first African American coach to win a Super Bowl. See? I yeah. Know. Okay. Good job. <laughs> and he has a brother who is also a quarterback who plays for the Patriots. <laughs> no, he did not play for the Patriots. Okay, who did he play for? He played for, I believe, the <laughs> Giants. Oh, the yeah, yeah, Giants. yeah. See, I, I knew it was New York. Shut <laughs> up, dude. See? New how, York Yankees just gonna, How are you going to tell me that you're like a half a point under me? Well, you don't know these things. Peyton Manning played for the Colts, and then it's like a couple, like I think like last two or three years, he played for the um, Denver Broncos. Yeah, I know he uh, won a Super Bowl. Okay, and I, I know when, his I know his brother went to college, and then he was becoming a big star, and then also became a quarterback. And then he, I think he also won a Super Bowl. Did he? His brother, yeah. Did he? I don't know. I don't remember. Exactly. You don't know. He did. <laughs> oh, see? See, I know my stuff. No, you just say you didn't know. I just know. don't really care. Right, who did he beat uh, for the championship? Oh, oh, they beat the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shut up, dude. 
<laughs> no, it's not. They beat the Patriots. Oh, yeah. See, see, I know the Patriots was somewhere in the storyline. They beat the Patriots because that was the year the Patriots was going to go 25 and 0, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Patriots was winning like every single year. And then not they every came. Single year. And then they came and like ended their winning streak. No, the Patriots were winning every single game that year, <laughs> all the way to the Super Bowl, and uh, the New York Giants stopped them. So basically, the only game they lost was the championship yeah. game. Pretty see, much they won. see my, my information is just a little mixed, but I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Let me just uh, quick check it just to make sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Anywho, the point is, sorry, we digressed. Yeah, point is, I still don't know what the hell that docuseries is about. Like, I know it's about Michael Jordan, but what exactly? I think they're probably still going to focus on that last year. Yeah, I, I didn't even know he played for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, see, at least I knew that. <laughs> I thought he played for like Washington or something. Okay, like I said, back to the quick caveat okay we are not sports people and i feel like this this uh podcast is gonna get a lot of people mad especially when we start talking more about the docuseries but yeah so i still don't know what the i don't know if documentary is gonna yeah i don't know if the first episode was just to kind of give us a glimpse so then maybe episode two is going to talk about his childhood and episode three is going to show his like life in college. And then episode four is going to show like his draft to uh, the Bulls and the episode five is, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just going to lead up to, OK, the finally season. the last, you know, championship game that they uh, I don't even know if they I mean, win. I'm going to be real on this. I think the first episode didn't really hook me. Really? Yeah, like I, I saw that and I was like, okay, what what is the interesting part? Mm-hmm. Like, I still don't see the interesting part about it. I think the part that really hooked me was when they showed him playing in college, and he was just some mediocre amateur basketball player, and then you know all of a sudden he just had the motivation to want to be the best player. I think he and always then, wanted to be the best player, but he just didn't know how. Right, mm. he didn't have a, like a um, someone to challenge him to become that better player. Right, but to see that transformation in the first episode was like, okay, now I know why this guy is the greatest the because best, his best. mindset mm-hmm. is just like not like especially when he walked in like on, anyone else um, when he was on his rookie year. He walked in on his teammates doing coke and stuff like that. Yeah, and he was like, I'm out of here, like. I got, mm-hmm. you know, places to be, right. you know, and all he did was just basketball. Right. And then it also showed him just being like a regular human being. Like he was in. A uh, regular uh, human being. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not like. Because, you know, when you think of athletes, you think of them living in like big giant mansions and they have butlers and maids mm-hmm. and people catering to them. And there was a scene where it showed him he was, you know, he, he was a rookie for the Chicago Bulls and he lived in this tiny condo and he was still doing his own laundry, mm-hmm. still washing his own dishes, you know, even though he was like a top like a, three a, drafted, right. you know, player. And it's like, wow, people who get offered that type of money would instantly go buy themselves like a Mercedes Benz or something, you know? I mean, he probably did. Who knows? But he was still kind of humble. Right. And I felt like that humbleness comes from college, you know? And his parents. Yeah. 
the way his parents raised him. Because for, like from college, it's like you don't have anything. You don't get money. You know, you're just going solely based off of scholarships. And so he really has to humble himself down. So I like you know his rookie year, I still feel like he still had those humble tendencies. But I feel like later on into the series, they're gonna show that. Michael Jordan is going to be wild and out. But but not just that. I also really like that um, even though he was like one of the best college basketball players, mm-hmm. when he went to the NBA, he was still humble. Mm-hmm. He was still like, okay, I still need to prove my worth. I still need to show these people that I deserve to be a pro basketball player. Yeah, you and, know? I, and I guarantee you, like, <laughs> by, like, year four or something, like, he's like, I'm this shit. Like, yeah. I, like, nobody's touching me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when, uh, when they were going to go play in, in, was that in France? Yeah. And that guy asked for his autograph. Yeah. And he was just like, ignored him, you know, and then uh, another person had to step in and say, hey, hey, hey. Like, but, I mean, you know, like, I feel like once you become a celebrity, there are times where you can sign autographs and time where you just need to be yourself, right? you know? So like that moment right there was, was understandable. Like, Hey, this isn't the time to be asking Michael Jordan for his Mm -hmm. signature. Like he's literally getting ready to go do a conference right? and you're going to come into his face and say, Hey, 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 just sign sign it quick. Damn. I don't know. I don't know. There's a time and place for that. You got to remember that these celebrities are still human beings. Yeah, they probably get bombarded like left mm-hmm. and right, especially about Jordan during those years when he mm-hmm. was like super, super popular. Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, there's not much to say about it, though. You know, like we had to watch more to see the nitty gritty. I think there's going to be like um, that drama between him and the general manager. The general manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him, the head coach and the general manager. So I can already feel that that dilemma that's going to pop up. And like you know, like I don't watch basketball, so you know, like I I I know of uh, Scottie Pippen, I know of Dennis Rodman, right? But I don't know them like as players. Like I know Michael Jordan because mm-hmm. he's like the biggest one, you know. But I don't know all the, his like the nitty gritties, you know. Yeah. Like what? How much he scored a season? What's his like professional um, stats were? Things like that. So I mean, you know, are you interested in keep watching the? Uh, the last dance. Oh yeah, I am. I'm gonna give it to episode three or four. <laughs> if it doesn't catch me by then, I'm gonna drop it. You're yeah. You're not really a like autobiography like docu. I am docu series type of person. I am, I, but the thing is that the person has to be interesting enough for me to continue watching. Like if there was an autobiography for Dave Chappelle. Oh, I'm watching that. Oh yeah, of course, because you're a fan of Dave Chappelle. Right, exactly. But it's That's like, what I'm saying. um. Dude, you don't tell me you're gonna watch an autobiography on um, George W. Bush and you're gonna like like it. Hey, you never know. The other day I watched a documentary of Paris Hilton, and you liked it. Yeah. Well, that's because Paris Hilton lives a very interesting life. <laughs> like I wouldn't mind watching a documentary on Trump because I feel like he lives a very interesting <laughs> life. Dude, he was on WWE. He got stunned oh, yeah, by Stone right. Cold. You know what I'm saying? Like he was on The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. He was on Home Alone. Oh my gosh, he was. He was on the Fresh Prince. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, I forgot who it was. I think it was Ashley. She got mad at Donald Trump. He was in the show, like in their house. 
actually got mad at him and saying like you're ruining my life or something like that and Donald Trump was like some lady came up to him or said something he's like what's what what's up with her and Donald Trump's like I don't know everyone's just blaming me for everything oh my gosh I don't remember that okay I'll show you after this wow I don't remember him yeah so I'm saying like Donald Trump was a celebrity president you know, like he was known to hang out in these parties. He was known by celebrities and stuff like that. So that's why I'm saying that's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I'm not really interested in Michael Jordan. Like I would watch a LeBron James one because right now he's kind of like the. Well, he had a documentary. Who LeBron James? Yeah. On Netflix like years ago. Yeah, but that and was we watched like, it. Huh? We watched it. He was like the tallest kid in high school and straight out of high school. He went to the NBA. I don't remember. I remember watching it. Oh, it's better being envious. Because <laughs> I remember he was drafted from high school. I don't think he went to college. Right. He was drafted straight out of high school. Yeah. Um, started playing in the NBA, and then he started making a lot of money, and then he brought all that money back with him to his town and started using all that money to help build a community. Mm-hmm. What a beast. But anywho, point is, like I said, I'll give it to like episode three or four. If I don't like it, I'm dropping it. All right, so next up on the chopping blocks, let's talk about uh, Dave Chappelle's... Uh, Why, you, you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, oh, no. Mm-mm. Oh, okay, the last dance. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, interview, or D- David Letterman's interview with um, Dave Chappelle. I like David Letterman. Why, you feel like he's, he asks the right questions? Like the No, more, I think he's just very... Um, very what? Very respectful he's very human i don't know why i don't know why but like if i were to watch like jimmy fallon or jimmy kimmel oh you feel like they're fake right like they're just there to entertain you but but there's a realness about david letterman where when you watch his interviews you're like okay yeah he's really trying to get to know yeah would you say something it about feels Conan? very intellectual you know it feels like okay you're really learning something about this person you're not just like they're not just there to promote something but you're actually really there to learn about this person you know to get to know this person at say, a more like in-depth intimate level would you say the same thing about conan no <laughs> <laughs> dang conan um conan is, is also very different from like jimmy kimmel and like you know fallon and them um but he's not a like he's not a serious or intellectual interviewer. Damn. You calling Conan dumb? No. <laughs> no. I get what you're saying. I feel like um Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy uh Kimmel are um how's the word? They're just entertainers. I wanna say they're entertainers. It's more like they're more like advertisers. <laughs> no, there's a word it's like like mechanical, like they're man made. Oh sure, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like the, their style They're just is, puppets. They're placed there to just keep the, the show going. Yeah. Like you could tell that they're employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their there part, we go. You mm-hmm. know, and that's how I felt like they are. But Conan feels like he's actually doing <laughs> yeah. his Conan <laughs> feels like it's because he wants to. Yeah, like it's him. <laughs> it's know? like the people he invites on his show it's like it's because he personally invited them there yeah and he enjoys conversing with the person yeah you know it's like you know and sometimes it goes off script sometimes too you know like you can tell like it's more natural yeah that conan is naturally that's who he is behind the stage you know behind the the screen and whatnot and then david letterman's more like serious you know that it's not like you actually care about the people that are coming on and he's asking like the questions that 
I guess you kind of want to the questions he asks are not like oh so so tell us about you know this job or something it's more personal like you get to know mm-hmm. the people and I feel like that's David Letterman's uh, style yeah because that's that's kind of what we got from the Dave Chappelle one yeah you know it's more it's more personal questions right right than, than it was mm-hmm. you know like oh like what's your achievements and stuff like that and it was also uh, like I said, intellectual questions. It was like challenging questions where you really get to see like their morals and and like what they believe in, you know, versus just outside. Like reading from a script. Personality. Like, like, some, like things like that already like prepared in the back. Yeah. So what, what did you like about the interview? Like, do, do you remember any one moment because to be honest i listened to a lot of dave chappelle's um like old school mm-hmm. interview like especially the one he did with um oh man these like names are like slipping me the inside the actor studio mm-hmm. there we go i seen that one that was like a two hour long interview that he had and as you know you can really see the insight of how dave chappelle thinks about certain things right and that's what this interview reminded me of was mm-hmm. inside the, the actor's, actor's studio, studio yeah. yeah. And yeah, right. So, like, when Dave Chappelle was talking about certain things, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's something Dave Chappelle would say. You know, that's kind of, like, how his mind works. But not just that. Um, I wasn't very, like, blown away by the interview. And that has nothing to do with, you know, David Letterman or Dave Chappelle. It has more to do with the fact that you're a big fan of Dave Chappelle. And so I watch a lot of Dave Chappelle interviews with mm-hmm. you and, like, a lot of his comedy or like um, show bits. I don't mm-hmm. know what they call it. Um, stuff <laughs> on Netflix. What do they call that? Clips? No, his shows on Netflix. Stand up specials? Right, stand up specials. There we go. <laughs> so like I show know. Showbiz. <laughs> What'd you say? Showbiz? It's show bits. <laughs> show bits, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a cracker. <laughs> I don't know. Like a cracker uh, company. <laughs> Sounds like something you say in like 1980. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So I know a lot about Dave Chappelle. So like everything he said in the interview was just like, oh yeah, I already know. Mm. So it was just like, okay, can we like move on? Like I want, like I want to learn something new. But I do appreciate that they talked about his hometown because you don't hear about that a lot. Like Mm. he doesn't talk about it very much. Or you know, he'll he'll simply mention something like, yeah, I'm from Ohio, from a small town in Ohio, and then you're like, oh okay. You know, mm-hmm. but then in the interview with David Letterman, you actually get to see his hometown. He talks a lot about community and how, you know, his community is what keeps him grounded. Grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I liked about it, too. Like, I kind of want something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like a small town that everyone kind of knows each other and protects each other. Because you don't really get that in Hollywood, in New York, in these bigger cities everyone's out for themselves right and that's what makes some of these celebrities go crazy yeah you know because they always feel like they're being attacked Mm -hmm. being followed by the paparazzi and things like that like the small town will protect Dave Mm -hmm. Chappelle from the paparazzi and things like that so he doesn't get bombarded while Mm -hmm. he's shopping at some regular general grocery store you know it's like that's the place where he could be comfortable where he could be him and you know just still live like a human being right because it's not like you know, those people are never going to see him again. Right. Like, like you would be in a big city because when you run across like Matthew McConaughey, you're like, 
oh, like this is the once in a lifetime chance I get to see this guy, <laughs> you know, so we we bombard them. Whereas the the point that Dave Chappelle was making that, you know, this, those people in this small city, like town know him. Mm-hmm. So whenever he goes out, they're not going to bother him because right. he's just Dave down right. the road. He's always around. Right. You know? Yeah. And I feel like that's something you would want mm-hmm. as a celebrity, as someone yeah. that's famous. Yeah. Um, I also like that he, like during this entire COVID pandemic, he mm. used his fame to help the community. You yeah. know, like he decided, okay, I'm going to do stand up here <laughs> right. so that people can somehow get like jobs right. and stuff like that so he'd like find ways to pay for them mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's a really cool thing and I was and like wow I wish celebrities can do that more nope celebrities you know I'm not talking mad crap about celebrities <laughs> cause I was about to say like you know celebrities are holed up in their mansion crying on you know Instagram about how it sucks and stuff like that you know and then yeah here you have Dave Chappelle who's actively doing stuff and doesn't even like gloat about it mm-hmm. you know but, you know, who knows? We don't know what's happening behind closed doors for celebrities. You know, they could be doing yeah. a lot of stuff that we don't know about. And we just give them shit for it, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. And then I also want to talk about the... I say go watch it. I think it's a good... Um, the hour that it was going for, was it flew by really fast. Yeah. I kind of wish there was more, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, I, I feel like Dave Chappelle is a very interesting person. And just hearing his take on things. Because I feel like... If I was to become successful, that's the kind of person I would be. You know, I'm someone like Dave who who's not motivated by money or fame and who just kind of wants to do their own thing, you know, and just be happy by doing their own thing. Can I be honest about something? What's up? So during the interview, Dave Chappelle said, they're not here to see me. Oh, they're here, here to, to see you. Because, you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody in that town knows, knows who Dave, Dave yeah. Chappelle is. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? The reason why I watch David Letterman is because I actually go on there to watch him. Right. Even though he has all these interesting people that come onto the show and he interviews that you 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 not only get a glimpse of the person he's interviewing, but you also get a glimpse of David Letterman. Right, which which is also the reason why people watch, uh, why I watch Conan. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't care who's mm-hmm. on Conan. You know, Conan's an active fool. Yeah. You know, you know, Conan's gonna entertain. So, of course, like the bigger celebrity name makes a more of an attraction. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like if it's Conan, I want to see what Conan's yeah. gonna do. You know. Whereas it's like if it's Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, it's like it has <laughs> like it has to be a celebrity that I like in for order me, for you to right watch it. to watch it. Like I'm definitely not watching for Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I can't stand Jimmy Fallon. No. Shout out to Jimmy Fallon for spending an entire week focusing on BTS. Yeah, that was a smart move. But ain't nobody every single video. episode and video that he published hit like ten million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's a smart move on his behalf, you know. But let's be honest, you know, not a lot of people are going on there to watch Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I mean, you, they, hey, I, I like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, used to <laughs> his, be, his humor is actually my kind of humor, so I actually enjoy watching. Jimmy uh, Fallon. I can't stand it. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's like fake humor to me. Like I could just tell, like he's just laughing, you know, because it's like on cue like oh just laugh just laugh you know and it's just like boo like that's why i kind of like conan more because i feel like conan's more genuine in his <laughs> laughter you know 
And then yeah. Jimmy Kimmel is like Jimmy Kimmel was like in between. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel is a little like boring humor. <laughs> Damn, he's more like what? He's say? Like um, PG. Yeah, he's very PG, and he's very um. I I don't even know what to say, but I mean I I guess there's really nothing bad about him as an individual. It's just. Good. It's just I don't find him entertaining. That's all I'm saying. That's why that's where I find Jimmy Kimmel. He's like he's in between Jimmy Fallon and uh, Conan, where where it's kind of like he's not as genuine as Conan is mm-hmm. on his interviews. He still kind of have that like employee yeah feel to him, but he's not like obnoxious employee yeah like Jimmy Fallon. You know, like Jimmy Fallon's like I feel like he's. He's the guy that always tried to strive for employee of the month. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's the uh, teacher's pet. Yeah, or... yeah. And I feel like Jimmy Kimmel is just like, I'm just trying to get good grades and not look like a teacher's pet <laughs> at the same time, you know? Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's why I watched David Letterman because I actually like him as a mm-hmm. person. So then every episode that I've seen him in, I learned something new about him and I'm like, oh, okay. I like him even more now. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you can tell that the people that come on the show really respects him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, oh, well, you've only seen one episode, but I've seen episodes, you know, with him and Barack Obama, um, with him and like Kim Kardashian or with him and Kanye West, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, what? Like, oh, these people actually come on the show because they want to and it's because they respect Mm-hmm. David Letterman. Yeah, because you, you can tell that Dave Chappelle really respects David yeah. Letterman, too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anything, any last remarks? <laughs> no. I think, I think, like, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, You know, you get a glimpse of more of Dave Chappelle and the way he thinks about things. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I thought it was very entertaining. I wish, like I said, I wish it was more. I wish it was, like, yeah. two, three hours. That's what I've noticed about his interviews, too, is that... I wish there was always more. I wish yeah. the interviewer, the interviews went a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Like every single interview that I've watched him in is just like, oh man, like, is it really over? Like, man, that was kind of short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. means, but that just means that you are enjoying yeah. watching it. So yeah. it's a good thing. And then um, finally, we are reviewing Howl's, Howl's Moving, Moving Castle. Castle. This movie came out in like 1998. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All I have to say is the artwork was phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not a big like anime or animation person. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you kind of like some animes, but I mean, yeah, but I, but you don't like Studio Ghibli's movies. I don't know why. Okay. I grew up watching some of Studio Ghibli's anime mm-hmm. or animated movies i yeah. should say um like my sister has the entire collection mm-hmm. his like 10 pack collection yeah. i've seen every i don't know if i've seen every single one but i've seen enough where like i'm just kind of like oh, okay i'm not really into it um and so like i would just not watch any of his other films mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know i think well, what was the what was the one that you made uh, princess mononoke yeah, yeah, yeah. Princess i've seen mononoke. that movie 
three times, okay? First time, I didn't like it. And I'm like, you know what? Let me give it another chance. And watched it the second time. And I'm like, eh, yeah, I still don't like it. And then you made me watch it a third time because you're like, okay, maybe you just don't really understand it. And so that's why you told me to focus on the art, focus on the theme, you know, metaphors. And I'm like, sure. Watched it the third time. And I'm just like, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I just can't. Like, And I've seen like two of his other ones. And I'm just like... I don't, I don't like those either. So what made Howl's Moving Castle different? Maybe, I maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm older. Oh, so you you're saying you're going to give uh, Princess Mononoke <laughs> a fourth try? A fourth Is try. that what I'm hearing? Maybe I'm older. Maybe I'm like more mature. Like, you know, my tastes in like films and music and, you know, and everything else has definitely changed since you I've know, gotten you, older. You know, you know one thing I noticed about you? Oh, that, is this a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's just one thing I noticed that that you were never into the fantasy genre, which is the reason why I feel like you never really understood anime or uh, Studio Ghibli's movies. And, and you know, that's true because I love to read and I always like stay away from fantasy, fantasy mm. world books. So like, I don't know, like I, I never read like Harry Potter you know, or I never read like the Lord of the Rings. I read the Hobbit. Um, I never read, you know, like the fantasy genre. And it wasn't until I met your sister and she was like, Hey, here are a couple books that I really like. I and recommend that, you read them. And this is like two years ago. Okay. No, this is like four years ago. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this is more like present cheese. Well, no, because okay. I, I would talk to your sister and we would talk about other genres. You know, we would talk about thrillers. We'll talk about romance. We'll talk about contemporary books, autobiographies, things like that. And then she would recommend a few fantasy books. And I'm like, eh. and you know, I'll just keep pushing them back, pushing them back. And then one day I start reading them and I'm like, oh man, like, this is actually really good it sucks you in takes you into a completely like different world and you really have to imagine the world that they write about mm -hmm. you know and then your mind just kind of goes in all sorts of direction with how they explain things which is why it comes down to today and i was like this is probably why you might enjoy studio ghibli's movie more right now because now you're you're more understanding of the fantasy world. You're more willingly to believe in the magic that they use. Because <laughs> I think that's the reason why you didn't like Princess Mononoke. is because the world is a magical world with talking beings. But and, but I like like when the Lord of the Rings came out, uh, when the movies came out, I like those. Like Pirates of the Caribbean, those are all fantasy. I love, you know, Star Wars. But okay, let's be real here, okay? Star Wars isn't as fantasy see the thing with these movies that they're very closely related to realism like the real world yeah. you know yeah. like lord of the rings let's be honest there's not that much magic in the movie right that's true you know it, it still represents in in like a real world aspect where yes there are these magical beings like elves dwarves and stuff like that but they don't use magic you know, they may have special requirements, like special uh, abilities, as in like, you know, living for a long time. Like the doors are small and stout, but they're very strong, mm -hmm. you know, but they still feel real. Yeah. You know, whereas 
the moment you start seeing like Harry Potter wands, like you know, magic coming out, that's what to me is when you you check out. You're like, <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't care. Okay. So I I've seen Harry Potter movies and I'm not a fan. I've tried reading Harry Potter books and I'm not a fan. Right, exactly. And maybe that's why. But the not, first time I read Harry Potter books were like when I was back in middle school. So see, maybe so, I should give it a try again. Yeah, because now, now, now you're more open up. And especially, I think that the, the real turning point was when you started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes. I love Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, see, to, to me, it's like that's the turning that point. That sense of imagination, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at yeah. that point, it's kind of like now we're forcing you to imagine <laughs> the world. Now you have to know the world around you to really get the full experience of what Dungeons and Dragons is. Mm-hmm. And that, I remember you were like talking, like asking me questions like, what's our fae's? What are fairies? You know? I, my idea of what fairies were, were Tinker like Tinkerbell. Bell. Right. Like they were all good, bright, pink, glittery. And then when I just, I was reading a book that had fae's mm-hmm. and well, I read a, a lot of, you know, um, fantasy books that had phase. Mm-hmm. And these phase were always like evil. dark, yeah. evil phase. Like, you know, they lived in an outer world, but it was dark and full of like demonic evil things. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was always, evil? I was always confused. And then I finally, finally like Googled phase and realized that they were actually <laughs> Bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> creatures that have bad intentions. Yeah, yeah, but they're not like strictly evil. Okay, I wouldn't oh, call yeah, them no, evil. I, know. I would call them mischievous. Sh- sh- yeah, right. Yeah, like, they just want to mess around. They're they come from a dark side, basically. Right. And I didn't know that. Yeah, so she was already like, "Ooh, I want to be a fairy." So, I be yeah. so I I do have to admit that Dungeons and Dragons have definitely um, kind of changed my outlook on the fantasy, fantasy. Mm-hmm. genre um because now i'm looking at orcs differently mm-hmm. i'm looking at druids differently i'm looking at wizards and you know all of these like different races and um whoa, what do you call them classes classes yeah. in a different light now because i understand what they are what they do and i'm like okay you know which is why now <laughs> I'm, now i'm kind of like okay now i'm more willing to get you to watch like more animated um shows or movies that's more geared towards the fantasy aspect of it because i feel like you would understand it now and and be more willing to enjoy it and let yourself yeah. enjoy it because before like i said before man the reason why you didn't like princess mononoke is because the moment that <laughs> the boar came running out in the beginning yeah cursed you know yeah and he's like rampaging and stuff you're just like mm. yeah and then and then the reindeer turned into a tree yeah exactly <laughs> and i was like what yeah so you like you didn't believe it and then like, and then black ink started melting onto the world and i'm like okay <laughs> like this is too much yeah see like, and then you're like talking wolves like what's going on talking boars like I'm like this. This talking wolf is a prince of this black glob that's that's like floating around. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be real honest. Princess Mononoke doesn't really explain, or like they don't go into details about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like the movie's name, Princess Mononoke, but like the you, Princess Mononoke is only mentioned like twice in the the movie. But I also noticed that Studio Ghibli's films. Or like that. He doesn't explain anything. Everything is up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's his art. Yeah, there's, there's a lot Like, of, he just um, throws 
are at you and you are basically placed in a situation where you just have to interpret it, mm-hmm. you know, however you want. Right. And that, that, that is true. Cause, um, I want to say not, not really in how I was moving cast. So, mm-hmm. well, you say there was a lot of symbolism yeah. in there you're saying, yep. like what? Well, let me, let me hear it. Let me get your take um, of how it was moving Castle because we didn't really talk about it yet. We're just still talking about you and your fantasy world. So I saw a lot of the wizards or magicians mm-hmm. as soldiers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you saw them. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. how I saw them. And the little, um, his castle is kind of like, um, not his uh, uh, safe haven, but um, kind of like a place where he crawls back into once he's done being a soldier, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a scene where uh, oh, I forget her name, the character's name. Who? Helen. Is that her name? The main character? Yeah. What's her name? How Oh, it's a 2004 film. Where, where did I get 1998? <laughs> I don't know where you got 1998 from. Yeah, maybe, maybe you were thinking of The Flying Castle. No. I don't know. I don't even know if that's the name of the film, but you know which one I'm talking about. Sure it was 19. Anywho. Oh, her name is Sophie. Sophie. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where Helen came from. <laughs> but there was a scene where Sophie and Marco went out to the market, right? Yeah. And then the um, ship came in and it was being attacked. And um, she looked around and saw that um, the wastelands, um, the witch, yeah, the witch's uh, henchmen, henchmen were just walking around. Yeah. And she was like, why don't people notice these henchmen? And instantly I thought of present day, like government and media, Mm -hmm. this idea of you see war, they want you to focus on war, but behind the scenes, you have these people who are like setting all these things in place. And that's why you don't see these small things happening, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was just like, Oh my gosh, he's a soldier. Like, like when they were calling him to serve in the um to, to be, serve the kings and yeah. queens and you know um to fight the war, I was like, oh oh yeah, he's a soldier and he's coming back with all these like uh wounds and he can't. It's kind of like a PTSD, mm-hmm. you know, and he's having a hard time recovering it because they just see you as a soldier. They ask you to come in, you do your service, you leave, and then you're left to deal with your own demons. Yeah. And that's like the big point that he was making about how a lot of these wizards that used to be his, um, what do you call it? Like co cohorts? Yeah. That they're they were attacking him. Right, they, they were, were coming him. after him, and they're yeah. also like going see now, and they'll never regain their sense as a wizard, right? Because they're so committed to being mm-hmm. a soldier. And that's kind of like PTSD. And it's just like um, his fire friend. Um, Castifer. Castifer was like, the more and more you keep going and fighting these wars, you're going to lose yourself. Anything mm-hmm. else? Any other symbolism that you can see? Uh, I do like the land, like the um, the landscapes that they 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 draw out. Yeah, like, when she, like the flower field was really nice. Mm-hmm. The ocean view was really nice. The like, mountains, I was just mm-hmm. like, the artwork wow. of that movie is so good. But yeah, and the yeah. castle, how intricate it was. Which castle? 
the flying castle. How was moving castle? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep calling it a flying castle? Well, it, it is. How was a flying castle? I mean, it was a flying castle <laughs> at the end, but it was a moving castle but before. To have to draw every single piece of oh, that yeah. castle all the time mm-hmm. is such a headache, but it was so beautiful. Because <laughs> all the pieces are always moving. Right. You know? I think one thing you didn't real, uh, realize is um, there are certain scenes where they had the lighting, where she, would, where Sophie would come in with the um, the match and light a candle, and you will see the background kind of like change colors as oh, the really? light comes in. It looks really nice. It reminds me of old school Disney movies. So I think that's mm. the method, the method they use for that lighting stuff. I'll show you the clip, some of the clips. Uh, uh, once we finish this podcast and you'll yeah. see what I'm talking about. Oh. It was oh. a nice transition. In the movie, there were transitions of her age. Oh, you know, yeah, where yeah. one minute she was really old and then the next minute she was really young. What do you think about that? I think it's... Uh, I think the curse, the curse was to be in love. Right, that was her curse. I think a lot of the movies' curse was about being loved, mm-hmm. right? And I think Sophie's curse was that she has to find someone that she loves or that she falls in love with. So every single time that she um, becomes young, it's usually with Howell, right? No. And I, well, I just feel like every time she's, yeah, I mean, I don't really understand what her curse is, to be honest. But I just noticed that, like, every single time she's thinking of Howell or feeling like she like has a very loving feeling towards someone, she becomes young. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Like, every time she feels like she is loved and cared for, then her image kind of changes. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where she was talking to Marco, and Marco said something, like, very loving and endearing to her. And you can kind of see her turning young. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh... I'm curious if that's the reason why she turns young. And then he takes her to show her the room that he built for her. And she turns young because Mm -hmm. she feels like, oh, he cares about her. And then he takes her to go to the field of flowers. And the entire time she's young, you Mm -hmm. know, and and you really feel like, okay, she feels safe. She feels young. She feels like she has a place. Mm hmm. So that's what I think the curse is about the sense of like being loved. I think it's more of the sense of being confident and her loving herself mm-hmm. because the entire time she just keeps talking about how she's not beautiful right. and how no one's going to love her because she's not beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and moments like that. She has the most confidence in herself mm-hmm. because she feels it, you know, mm-hmm. at least that's what I think it is. Mm. I think so, too. I, I, I quite agree with that yeah. assessment. Anything else? Mm, I liked um, the Wasteland Witch. Mm-hmm. When I saw her, the moment I saw her and how fat she was, <laughs> immediately I knew she was greedy. Mm-hmm. Now, all she does is take, 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 take. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly w- what, what they what said. Was, yeah. And I was like... But was it cause she, that because she was known as the Witch of Greed, right? Or like she got cursed with greed? No, she she was really greedy, and uh, she got cursed for something. I don't remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember something to do with greed. Oh, greedy. Yeah, I don't remember. 
Wow. Uh, Christian Bale played Howell. That was Christian Bale's voice? That's what it says. No way. Yeah, it says Christian Bale. <laughs> no way. That did not sound like Christian Bale. <laughs> wow. But yeah. Anything else? I'm trying to think of more stuff. but like to What me, do you like, think of the fire of Castifer? Calcifer? Calcifer. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, what he symbolizes? Mm-hmm. Life. You know, that's what kind of get out of a calcifer. Hope. Yeah. Where, like, I guess Howell... I mean, what do you, what do you think Howell... Why he got rid of um, his heart? You think he was afraid? No, I think he got rid of his heart because he wanted power. Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Because that's just the thing I, I couldn't... I couldn't... Um, uh, what did you say? Like, I couldn't determine why he did it. Because every time he talked about power, he always referred to Calcifer. He said, Calcifer did this. Calcifer can take you there. Calcifer can protect you. Calcifer made this ring, so you'll be able to, to you know... Um, I don't remember him saying Calcifer made this ring. I just remember him saying that if you want to go home, this will take you to Calcifer. Or if you think of Calcifer, the ring will show you to him oh maybe <clears throat> yeah, but, but but i just i just remember for some reason seeing how acknowledge calcifer as something that was strong right like his partner right yeah and it was like oh okay so you so he traded his heart to gain power is what you, you're saying yeah hmm yeah, because I, I could never determine why, like, what role Calcifer played. Because to me, it's like, they never really tell you that. They never really tell you whether or not Howell was already gifted. And then, like, he gave up his heart because he, I don't know, was tired of something, you know? They just showed that he gave his heart to Calcifer. And it never really explained that that's how he got his powers and why he became so gifted. I wish yeah. there was a, a little bit more to that. But you see, that's open for interpretation. <laughs> like Turnip Head. <laughs> Dude almost cried when he uh, Turnip Head died. Now, how are you going to cry for a scarecrow, dog? <laughs> he was an important character, okay? Why? He how was, so? um He was kind of like Sophie's angel. Mm. Like, you know... Like fairy godmother in like, a sense, like mm. always, always watching after her, making sure that she was okay. Like when know? when Sophie's at her lowest, it was yeah. the scarecrow that shows up to mm-hmm. aid her. Yeah. Mm. And scarecrows are supposed to scare you away, right? Yeah. But. but who's a turnip head? Sure. <laughs> Something that she didn't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else is there? Marco. What, what Marco? is Marco's role? I don't know. What is Marco's <laughs> role? I think Marco's role was to fill in that 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 void, because because the thing is like they needed a connection between Howell and Sophie, and it could have been Calcifer, right? But it means that Calcifer can't leave. I don't know. Maybe Marco was supposed to represent Howell's childhood, childlike tendencies. And how Marco, sh- and I think Marco was supposed to be like how Howell would have wanted to grow up without having like these um, responsibilities, responsibilities 
laid on to him. You know what children tend to do in a setting? They tend to lighten the mood. Right. They tend to kind of bring people together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's what Marco was. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like, so what you said, it brings Sophie and Marco, or sorry, Sophie and Howell, Howell together. together. Yeah, because if, if Marco wasn't there, just imagine how how the movie would have went. Mm-hmm. It would just be Sophie and Calcifer talking most of the time, you know, because Howell was never really around. And that was the role that Howell was supposed to play, is this mysterious magician that Sophie eventually tries to figure out who he is. Right. And then they need to fill in that void with somehow, and they Marco was a perfect uh, fit for that, perfect character to to fit that void, yeah. a kid that they're both taking care of, you know. I really like when Sophie moved into the castle. She started cleaning everything out. Yeah, and it was kind of indicating that she was trying to help Howell start over, mm-hmm. you know, and you know she went and cleaned the bathroom, and how he had like that breakdown because mm-hmm. of his hair. It was kind of like a, okay, here's the moment where you get to start over mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I was like, wow. Because he started melting and everybody was like, Sophie, Sophie, you're the only one who can help him. And he came, and she came back and literally like helped him up the stairs. Into his behalf. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it just showed that she was there to help him kind of get over whatever, like, Stop. Yeah. That he needs to get over. Right. And then, and then Turnip Head was there for her yeah. to get her over her hurdles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. Turnip Head is kind of funny. <laughs> what did? So did you think that Calcifer had his heart the whole time? I still don't see Calcifer as his heart. Mm. So you see Calcifer as a different character. Yeah. But I mean, Calcifer was a different character. Right. But in the the movie kind of leads you to think that, oh, it was because Howell traded his heart to get Calcifer. To get Calcifer. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it that way for some reason. Mm. Were you surprised when the witch realized that Calcifer had his heart? Calcifer is his heart? No. Oh, but but you knew? Did you know that that was where the movie was? Yeah, I I a part of me knew that Calcifer was somehow a part of Howell. I mean, yeah, because he made it clear that yeah. if he dies, then Howell. Oh yeah, Howell dies. of course. I mean, being his heart, like, mm, not really. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Sophie more as being his heart. I think that's, than that's, Calcifer. that's I think that's the reason why he was able to accept it back. That's why, um, that's it. I think that's probably why Calcifer was okay with Sophie putting his heart back mm. to Howell. Because I think the reason why Howell gave up his heart was because he was afraid of maybe people not taking care of it. And maybe Howell was too... Yeah, because his heart was broken. Right. But I think, like, I think his heart was broken afterwards. Right, though. I think it was yeah. broken afterwards. After Because that's when he had Marco already. Marco said that mm-hmm. Howell was, you know... But I think there was a story, right? Didn't they say that like Howell got his heart taken by a demon because he... No, Mark uh, Howell fell in love with the witch uh-huh. of the wastelands because she was beautiful at the time. Right, and then, and and then, then he realized and, she wasn't beautiful. Right. But that, but that was after he got his powers, right? So I, that, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, assuming that's after he got Calcifer. And that's so why the Witch of the Wasteland wanted his heart. 
Right, and she also mentioned at one point that she was still in love with him. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I yeah. know that. I'm, I'm just trying to determine, like, what was the curse? Because didn't um, Calcifer also say that he's also cursed, and that he was willing to like. His curse was that he was stuck in the house and he didn't know how to get out. But he didn't realize that it was because Howell had sucked him had sucked him in and turned him into that fire. Do you believe that maybe it, w- it was Howell who cursed him and that Calcifer didn't really want to be that fire? But, but like you see how like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so Howell yeah. caught him. That's, that's what I considered the curse to be was that he was trapped. Really? Yeah. I thought the curse was that he had to take Howell's heart. Hmm. You know, and that he couldn't leave. That he had to maintain, like, you know... To stay yeah. alive, well, he had to uh, keep Howell alive, too. So he was trapped. Right, but I, I, I don't think he was trapped in the house. I felt like he could always leave. Oh, he was trapped in a sense that if something was to happen to Howell, he would die. Right, so mm. he had to stay alive mm. in order in, you know, in, in, to, in order to keep Howell alive well, In order well. to keep Howell alive, he had yeah. to stay alive. Right. Yeah, or like he had to stay alive, and by staying alive, he's also keeping Howell alive. Mm-hmm. That. That, that, that was his curse. And I think the way to break the curse was to um to have someone that would take care of his take care mm-hmm. of his heart as mm-hmm. ha- as Calcifer would have. You know? Yeah. And, and Sophie yeah. was willing to take care of Howard's heart. Mm-hmm. That's why Howard was willing to take it back. And that's how Calcifer was released from his curse. Because Calcifer came back at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, so he staying inside or being stuck wasn't the curse. I feel like being how his heart was the curse. Mm. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Good movie. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually like interested in watching his other films now. Wow! I hear that. <laughs> Princess Mononoke for the fourth time. Let's leave Princess Mononoke to last. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, there's not that really uh, that many good ones like that though. Um, but now that I see, now that I can really see why his art mm-hmm. and understand why he makes animations like this. I can really start to appreciate it more. And also because you're more allowing <laughs> of the fantasy world. You're more No, no, no. What? No. I, I'm st- I'm still not like really into like anime and things like that, mm-hmm. but um I'm more open to watching it. <laughs> I don't know. I, does that even make sense? No, uh, the way I see it is it's more like <laughs> it's more like if they use magic, you're not going to question it. You're just going to understand that the world has magic, you know, and it stems from D&D. You don't question magic. You just understand that, okay, wizards use magic, you know, barbarians use their strength and everyone has their roles. There's different types of magic, you know, and you're more willing of accepting of it. That's all I'm saying, because before, uh, whenever you see magic involved, like especially in anime, it just literally throws you off and you're just like, oh, I don't believe it. You know, like. These magic is really like making me feel like I'm losing, like I'm not into it anymore. The first time I saw Full Metal Alchemist was right at the stage where I was like dabbling in the fantasy mm. world. And so like Full Metal Alchemist 
to so many people who have seen it, it's probably one of their yes. best top like, one one of the best five. animated or anime ever. Yes, top five. And when I I watched it the first time with you, I, how many episodes were there? That thing's like fifty six. Yeah, like in total. And I'm like, okay, you know, like sure, yeah, you know, keeping an open mind and watching it. But I really didn't take in the art and the information like everyone else who mm-hmm. appreciates I it. I even so, understood what an alchemist was. You didn't even know what an alchemist was. <laughs> I still don't know what an yeah. alchemist is. So, you know, like if I were to watch it again, I'll be like, okay. Now I can really yeah, appreciate cause it. Because I think, I think you missed the whole point of <laughs> I, the show. I, I think I did. And then, um, I think it was like a year ago, I watched um, Berserk. Berserker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Berserk. Don't, don't say Berserk. Berserk. Okay, sorry. Berserk, okay. I watched Berserk, and they had all three parts on Netflix, so mm-hmm. I binge-watched it. And... Oh my God, it was such a good anime. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. And, you know, it was, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, like what we were talking about before, how I really started to understand the fantasy world. And when I watched Berserk, especially the third part, you know, the third mm. and final movie, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, but also wow. Berserk was well written because they didn't, they didn't start off with magic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the beginning of the first one, they kind of showed you like the world has demons yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was very short because it showed it showed uh, guts at present present day, mm-hmm. and then they went straight into the back history of guts, and there was really no magic. It was just yeah. him, you know, growing up as a mercenary, and then you you start to see like the internal uh, problems that he had, and him growing out of it, you know, after meeting um, uh, Griffith. Yeah. And then, you know, joining the band of the Hawks and he starts to slowly grow and grow and grow. And then the third movie came in and just threw you for a loop. Yeah. And that's when the fantasy started beginning. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Berserk was right up your alley. It was like just enough it's for like Lord me Rings. To, to appreciate it. Yeah. It's like, it's like Lord of the Rings to me. Where like there oh, wasn't yeah. yeah there wasn't a lot of magic. There really involved. wasn't any magic in Lord of the Rings. The only magic was probably Gandalf's staff. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And Saruman's like, uh, ball. <laughs> right, and it's like it's not even that crazy magic. It's not like Gandalf is over here using fireball. You know, shooting a fireball from his staff. He usually he just used it to light up the way, <laughs> essentially, and hit the ground to do like wind blast to knock people down. <laughs> like essentially, that's all the magic was. You know, and then that's why it's like for for me, you know, when I look at why you enjoy it, because you understand like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, it's not the, these fancy stuff. And that's when you watch anime and people are using lightnings, you know, and fire and ice. You're just like, like, you don't understand <laughs> it. You don't believe it, you know. But Berserk is a good uh, animated. It, it To me, I feel like it's enjoyed by every everyone because mm-hmm. it's it's easily to. Uh, get immersed in the story, yeah. Because, like I said, it's not fantasy. Fantasy, it's perfect. Yeah, you know, it's a perfect blend. But um, yeah, I think if you watch Full Metal Alchemist now, I think you will enjoy it. And let me tell you what alchemists are. Okay, <laughs> aren't they um um chemists? Yeah, who use much. potions to basically make magic? Not use potions. It's more like they try to create something out of nothing. You know, or or try to use um, the biggest one that they tried to do was change coal into gold. 
And that's what alchemists were trying to do. They're trying to manipulate the laws of the world to try to change it to something else. It's like magicians. It's the child like it's like magic, but with with um, grounded rules, I guess. To it, it, it's like black magic. Yeah, but it's not really <laughs> magic. Magic, you know, it's not like they they took mana from the air and then mm. turned that into fireballs. No, it's more like they're taking certain things and then mixing it together and then turn it into something else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like turning. Well, it's still kind of magic, you know. But there, it's magic with manipulating the rules. Of the it's world. like manipulating physics and yeah. basically everything in science. Right. So they they change like water into ice. Yeah. Like things yeah. like that. You know, that's what alchem- uh, alchemists are. And I think that if you understood that mindset, where formal alchemists, I think you really enjoy it because mm. then you start to see everyone's different type of alchemy. Oh. <laughs> you know, not everyone has okay got the same you one, right yeah and then there are certain rules that has to be applied right and, like and, well like one of the biggest rules is that you can't bring back the dead right, right? yeah and that's what they attempted or to you, do you can and, but it's not what right what it what it was mm-hmm. like or, it was or you end up losing something just to mm-hmm. get something that's not really what you wanted mm-hmm. kind of thing and yeah. also it's kind of like you know every alchemist has to use a circle Mm. An alchemy circle, but the Edward brothers don't need one because they saw the truth, you know, and the truth was given to them because they, they, they peered too long into the abyss and the abyss peered back and they gave them because they saw all that knowledge. They gained the ability to not rely on magic circles. They could just use alchemy because they themselves have the knowledge Oh, wow. Okay, I, I need to go back and watch yeah, so, Full Metal Alchemist. So you need to do that. And yeah, and, and all the people who could use alchemy without having a uh, a circle, an alchemy circle, are people who committed the taboo. Mm, so that's why he could just do it with his hands and right. bam, mm-hmm. and just do whatever magic that he needs to. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I'm not sure, but I think his brother can't do it mm. his brother has to still use a magic circle yeah because it was edward the only one who saw it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then that's why his master has it too mm. yeah i don't think you really remember the master but i think you should really watch it again though because mm. i think you really enjoy it but i think you should also watch avatar <laughs> avatar is so good it's a kid's it's we a, we will do that for our reaction channel yeah, along with you, haiku <laughs> i'm telling you avatar you, you guys still think of it as a kid's anime but there's so much like um wisdom imbued into it that you gotta watch and you just gotta understand oh man like this this is such a good animated show for kids to watch because it really teaches them a lot and it, it, even as adults you can still enjoy it yeah. And that's why I think it's a good kids show. A good kids show is enjoyed by all, not just kids. Anywho, anything else you want to talk about Howl's Moving Castle? <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate it? Oh, uh, I give Howl's Moving Castle like an 8.5 out of 10. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I'd say so. Cause I really I enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's one of those movies where I have to watch every now and then. I can't just watch it over and over and over. I don't feel like yeah. I don't really yeah I agree I get tired of it. Yeah, I'd give it like an eight eight out of ten. Well, because I don't know what half means. 
8.5? Yeah. To me, it's like, it's not a 9, but it's better than an 8. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Eight, 8 to me is like, I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it, you know. Um, but it's one of those where, yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably watch it like maybe four or five years later. It's something mm. that I'm not going to like rewatch all the time. I guess to me, the, the 8.5 is like, it doesn't make your top 10, but it's like right there. <laughs> you can't say that about an eight. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just don't understand 0.5s. Like, it's just. Because that's how I feel. I feel like, like I said, it's it's not my top 10 movies that I would watch, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like at 12, oh 11, God. you know, it's like there, but it's, but the eight to me is like top 20, mm-hmm. you know, like the eight's like number 19, 18, you know? Hmm. Yeah. A 10 to me is like, okay, that's definitely a top 10 for me. That's a film that I could watch over and over and never be bored. That's a film that I'd recommend anyone any day. Yeah. You know? So I, I guess I guess it's split on like this. My top five movies are top ten. <laughs> okay. Okay. My top tens are tens. <laughs> my top tens are nines. Oh my god. Okay. So from like six to ten you. is okay. a nine, you know? And then from um ten to fifteen is eight and a half. <laughs> okay. And then from 15 to 20 or eight, mm-hmm. I don't go nine and a half. I feel like nine and a half is a 10. And nine and a half is you love it so much, but there's just that one thing yeah, one that, thing, yeah. you know, annoys you that you just have to give knockoff 0.5. But to me, it's like, no, that's a nine. Yeah. Because if I don't enjoy the movie, I, like, I don't know. Like to me, like nine point five. <laughs> I can't agree on a nine point five. You know what I'm saying? I don't. It's weird. Like I could do with an eight point five. Yeah, but I can't do with a nine point five. That's why I'm like, can you explain your point five? Because I can't measure anything by half a scale. I guess I can see that. Anywho, anything else? <laughs> no, that's all. Okay. Well. <laughs> We will try to watch more of Michael Jordan's um, Last Dance. What else would you watch? We should, you should really try to find time to watch Hamilton. That's a four-hour long movie, isn't it? I know, I'm saying. It? Like, it's a commitment, man. Oh, do we usually do some intervention? Like, uh, not, not interventions. Intermissions with Hamilton. What do you mean? Like, uh, well, uh, watch uh, the first part, talk about it, and then watch the second part? No, not talk about it. Just take it like a 30-minute break. <laughs> Watch like the first hour and then take a 30 minute break. Do they do that? I, I said we should. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I know it's like Broadway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah okay. That's fine. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's watch more of The Last Dance. Let's try to watch Hamilton. Anything else? Maybe we should start watching Haiku and, um, and, uh, Avatar. Yeah. Do that as, uh, as part of our reaction channel. Yeah. And then we can also do a podcast about it. Sure. But all right. We're still, you know, working out the mm-hmm. kinks. But uh, until next time, see ya.